25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to him. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Turn your mic on, Matt. Come on, buddy. What up? Hour two of the show. Here it is. In fact, I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service, people you can deal with one-on-one. Uh-huh, show this. Also, the show stays connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, number one network in Mississippi. At C Spire, they are customer inspired. They're going to help me greatly over the next few days to be able to try to figure out a way to be in Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament and be on the radio with you every day. We're going to figure that out. I've got a feeling C Spire is going to be a part of figuring that out. In fact, without going into great detail, some of the issues that have arisen with Internet and connectivity and other things there at the Hoover Met in Hoover, Alabama, they probably wouldn't have those issues if they deal with C Spire to begin with. (laughs) Rant over. You can be a part of the show. Why don't you text me on the text line at 885-ESPN. 885 ESPN. That is a 601 area code. So you text that number, text it, 885 ESPN, and most likely I'll read it on the air. Let's see here. Don't have a name on this one. It says this. The text says this. There's been some discussion on the message boards about some of the players at state having some negative comments about bringing Tommy Stevens in. Being that you understand how chemistry works in a locker room, what are your thoughts on that? I'm really uh, glad you asked, and thanks for your text on the text line. We talked about it, uh, something similar to this anyway, yesterday, when we were going through the whole multi-layered discussion about uh, you know all the quarterback stuff. This, but I didn't stay on it. I just touched on it. I'll start you off this way. Think about it this way. When when Jalen Hurts transferred to Oklahoma, how much did you hear out of Oklahoma about the possibility of chemistry issues in the Oklahoma locker room because a quarterback was transferring in there? Right. 
What about this kid, uh, the Fields kid, who left Georgia and transferred to Ohio State? How many reports or comments or how much smoke coming out of those fan bases and stuff do you hear about potential chemistry issues in the Ohio State locker room because Justin Fields transferred in? Well, I mean, you and I know, like, basically there's none, right? In, in those examples, there's basically none. And so why is that? Jalen Hurts goes to Oklahoma. And see, so we look at it on the Alabama end. We kind of pay attention to that because we're in SEC country. But Jalen Hurts leaves Alabama, and it's all about him leaving Alabama. So for a lot of us, it's less about him arriving and landing in Oklahoma. It's more the story is about him leaving Alabama, right? Because we all have to play Alabama. But I don't. I hadn't heard one thing. And in fact, if you were to go and peruse their message boards and go and peruse their radio shows, you're not going to hear anything coming out of Oklahoma about, well, hey, Jalen Hurts is coming in here to win a job over somebody who's been here, so it's going to cause some locker room issues. Had heard one thing, not going to. Same thing at Ohio State. Just not It ain't a part of the discussion. So why would it be a part of this discussion here? Why is it different? I am not, listen, I got to be careful how I you know, put this out there because what I don't want you to think as a listener and you texting the show is that I'm putting you to task. What I want is opinions. Because from my perspective, I don't really see why this one is different. Why... Why? Okay, and, and let me give you a little context, all right? Um, probably 10 years ago, I did my first radio show, or I was kind of in the first year, finishing up my first year of the first time I'd ever hosted a radio show like this, a talk show, about 10 years ago. And that first year, I remember someone had given me some advice. I, I was not too, at that time, familiar with message boards and stuff. And someone gave me some advice and said, hey, Matt, you probably ought to start reading these message boards. And he, I had a, he told me, you ought to do this one and that one. He'd name a few. And I started to kind of look them up and see that there were these big online communities. I had heard about message boards, didn't know what they were, started looking into it. That was about 10 years ago. So I spent really the first couple of years of my radio career, almost part of my daily routine, to try to see what was out there and what people were saying. I would look at message boards to see. And at one point, I even maybe even posted some and promoted some content on fan message boards and stuff. And nothing against those people who you know who they are, but my thing was after a couple of years, I just couldn't take it anymore. And it almost literally has been, well, it has literally been years upon years upon years before I, since I've gone and read and clicked and like I just removed them out of bookmarks and completely got it out of there, and it's been a long time since I spent any time reading anything on a message board. Because what I found back then was it affected the content on my show, just looking at it kind of affected the content on my show negatively. 
Um, very negatively, so I didn't like that. But also, I just could not believe how, number one, like, wrong everybody seemed to be all the time about stuff. The ideas and evaluations and stuff that that manifest on these message boards, so much of it was like as far from reality and truth as you could possibly be. And then the other, the biggest thing was the negativity. It, it honestly was some of the, like a collection of some of the most miserably negative and stupid <laughs> ideas and thoughts all in one place. And after a while, I found myself looking at it going, I, I, I can't believe I'm looking at this. Yeah, I don't. I I just don't want it anymore. I don't want any part of this anymore. I don't want to read it. I don't want to see it. Um, if the people who are behind this m- actually do intend and mean uh, the stuff that they're putting on here, then like that, you wouldn't hang out with them. <laughs> you wouldn't spend any time with them. It's just ridiculous. And the other thing, that's the other thing too. Like, there's nothing on message boards. There's nothing to police at all, just how inaccurate most of it is on any subject. The criticism of players, the criticism of coaches, rumors about this and that change, and none of it ever happens. <laughs> it's just, it, it's they're the, the message boards really, it's like the most negative and inaccurate place you can possibly go on the internet. They're almost right about nothing. But the negativity really more than anything else. And so I, it's been a long time since I you know, went to see. So I'm telling you all that to say, number one, be careful about getting sucked into the negativity that you see on fan message boards. And, and number two, some fan bases on message boards are more negative than others. Okay. They're not having an issue with a quarterback coming in, transferring in at Oklahoma, causing a the possibility of causing a chemistry thing. It's not even a discussion at Ohio State. Quarterback coming in there. Maybe unseating somebody who's been there. So why is it even a conversation here? Just keep that in mind. The message board thing, look, those people, you don't even know who they are. They don't even have the, what's the word I'm looking for? The backbone (laughs) to use their real name. It's a lot like Twitter. It's like screen, you don't even know who it is. They can say anything, and maybe that's part of the attractiveness, but I just see it as weak. So don't pay attention to that stuff, okay? Just don't. Now, let me give you some, let me sprinkle some reality on the, the conversation also. On, trust me on this. So listen carefully to what I'm telling you. On every football team that has ever been, that has ever been a football team, there is competition for playing time. There is nervousness about playing time. There's anger about playing time. 
There's hurt and disappointment for those that don't get playing time. That is the case on every football team that has ever been a football team. And it will forever be the case going forward. So the people in the locker room, the players, and you're right, yes, being that I understand how chemistry works in a locker room, I do. And my thoughts on it are this. Chemistry has nothing to do with certain players not winning a starting position or certain players not liking the fact that they went and signed somebody to maybe take my job. That has nothing to do with chemistry, and it never will. If you, if that, if that affects your team, if competition for playing time, if competition for playing time is a negative thing, you have no shot as a team. You hear me? If competition for playing time is a negative thing in your locker room, you have no shot as a team. Every good team embraces competition. And the sprint and the lose sleep over it attitude you have to have to win the job. Every team has it, and every team, good team, embraces it. It's the bad teams who take an approach. Oh, pay this man over here his money because he deserves it, not because of what he's going to do. See, that's that pro attitude. Let's give him a big fat contract because of what he did last year, not because we what he think what we think he's going to do this year. Well, how backward is that? See. Let this man play this year because he's stuck around and deserves it. No, you play this year because regardless of who you are, what color you are, how tall you are, how slow you are, how fast you are, you are the one that gets the job done the most. You are the one that gets the ball in the end zone. And if that's you, then you play. I was involved in quarterback competitions Every single year of my college career. And I won some of them in terms of getting playing time. And I lost some of them in terms of getting benched. (laughs) But my coaching staffs that I played for did an excellent job of making sure we all understood this. It ain't about you or whether I like you or not. It's about our team. They pay me to do the best job I can with the team. So whichever, it's not about like you, dislike you. Whichever one of you guys gets us in the end zone the most and the most consistently, you'll play. Don't care who you are. Don't care what your name is. Don't care where you come from. Don't whether don't care whether the fans like you, dislike you. If you are the one that gets us in the end zone, you will play. Got it? Now, if you want to play, go get us in the end zone the most. Have fun with the competition, boys. We'll all be friends at the end of the day. So any of this stuff, I'm telling you right now, if, if you have a team that has an issue with competition, which competition is going to always make you better, then you got big problems. That's on any team. Bradley, you're on the Divinity Equipment phone hanging on. I appreciate it. What's up, Bradley? Uh, not much. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. Thanks for calling. I 
going to say I, I think uh, Tommy Stevens being in this state is actually a win-win for us because one of the two, this is the way I see it. Either he's going to sit there and push Keaton Thompson and make him a better quarterback, mm-hmm. and you know that's nothing wrong with that. Or Tommy Stevens will get the starting job, and because he is the better of the two, and hopefully that will set up for uh, whenever Garrett Schrader takes over. So either way, I look at it as a win-win for us. Bradley, I don't I, see it as a negative or a bad thing. I couldn't agree with you more. That. A hundred percent is all that technically I can possibly agree with you, but if it were possible to agree with you one thousand percent, that's what I would do. You, you said it perfectly. Thanks for the call, buddy. That's it. It is Joe Moorhead and coaching staff's job is to improve the team. It's not to make somebody feel good about what's next in their college career. That team got better by them bringing in Tommy Stevens. Whether he is the starting quarterback or whether he doesn't win it, <laughs> they are better because they brought him in. And and then the last thing, and then I'm coming to Louvier. Understand this too. It's the offseason, it's the summer. Some kid may tweet this, tweet that, and all that. Let me tell you something. Listen close. In a few weeks, a month or two, in a few weeks. They're going to be practicing twice a day in 100-degree heat for days on end. Fall camp and college football will be the most brutal, most brutally physically tough and demanding and just sickening and awful experience, tough, hard experience that many of them are ever going to go through. And after several days of it, you think they care about who's their friend and who's their buddy? <laughs> And who they like and who's new and who's old and who's tall or who's black and who's white, who's fast, who's slow, who's a transfer, who's a sign. You think they care about any of that? About three days into it, they're going to care about one thing. Who helps us win? Who gets the ball in the end zone the best? Just play that guy, coach. I ain't going through all this crap if we're not going to win. I do not want to go through all this crap if, if we're not going to play the best people. The best people will play. And this year at State, it'll either be Tommy Stevens or Keaton Thompson, one or the other. And guess what? One of them's going to win the job and be better because of the competition. Louvier on the Divinity Equipment phone. What's up? Well, good morning, gentlemen, and how y'all are? How the y'all are? Yeah, we got to remind us of uh, all the rain that uh, they had in Louisiana when I was studying sugarcane and my buddy Chopin, he said, we got to go up north and get a job, so I... We got in his pick 'em up truck and went all the way as far north as we could, all the way to Meridian, <laughs> and went into the union office. I said, "I need a job." He said, "Louvier, what could you do?" I said, "I'm a pilot." He said, "Oh yeah, we got job for pilot. You could come to work on Monday. He's your work order." I said, "Chopin, you were right, man. I got a job on Monday." Chopin went in and said, "What could you do?" Chopin said. I cut sugar cane. He said, Chopin, this is all the way up north in Meridian. We don't have no sugar cane. He said, my buddy got a job. He said, yeah, Louvier said he's a pilot. He said, that's right. I cut it. He's pilot. Love your show. Go <laughs> Saints. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Give me some more of that. As the kids say these days, Roger, shoot that in my veins. <laughs> a little Cajun humor. 
Yeah, he, he, he cut it. I cut it. He pilot. <laughs> I'm remembering that one. I'm going to try to remember that one, tell that one to my dad. He'll get a big kick out of that. I still remember. I've thought about this a couple of times. Um, I can't remember if someone tweeted it to the show, Roger, back when, or they texted it. But remember that when it came up about somebody had worked at one of those sugarcane operations in Louisiana, and there was a situation where they had a big pile of of the stuff out there behind the operation, and it attracted all kinds of wild animals. Remember, oh, yeah. remember that? Oh, yeah. I think they said it attracted like wild hogs, but at one point a, a black panther came up. Yeah. To... <laughs> yeah, right. I remember now. And then we were all shot down that there that's not true. That can't be. Yeah, but, can't. but how many people have seen one? <laughs> Everybody's seen one, but they don't exist officially. But it, and now that he mentions that in the sugar cane, it reminds me that I had wanted, it was about this time of year that I had wanted to go down there. I want to see that. If, if there's a sugar cane operation and it, in fact, is attracting these all kinds of different animals that come up there to, you know, get a mouthful of the uh, sugar, I want to set up a camera and film some of that. I want to go to wherever they got that tree that the, the fruit actually ferments on the tree. And oh, yeah. All the animals congregate there and get loaded. <laughs> right. It's like a whole, it's like the adult version of Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the after party. That's it. Good stuff. <clears throat> Rolling along with you on this Tuesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. It gets me every time. <laughs> Stupid bandy whistlers. Now they're, now they're sitting in the studio. It sounds like it. It does, doesn't it? See, I can whistle really loudly myself. It requires the use of my fingers, though, which, let's be honest, you, you really ought to be cognizant of when you put your fingers in your mouth. But <laughs> based on what you've been doing and how recently you washed your hands, you know. But anyway, I mean, like the volume level of my whistle is equal or even more so to theirs. No joke. Wow, that's pretty impressive. But I'm always cognizant of who's around and who would I disturb if I do this. And if I just willy-nilly showed it off and did it just because I can, because I think it's cute, because I think it's fun, because I enjoy it, and don't give a rat's about anybody else, then that would make me a jerk. And I would expect, if that's what I did constantly, I would actually expect, because I'm in my right mind, I would expect. Somebody to punch me. I would expect somebody, some LSU fan, to say, hey, if y'all get a chance, y'all chewed him. I would expect that. 
You know, because that's one. That's why I don't behave that way. The the sad part is, or I get, what probably encourages it is he has even opposing mm-hmm. fan bases. He's kind of become a semi celebrity, so they come up and pose for selfies with him. Yes, yeah, right. Saw Joe Bonzel, uh, Oak Ridge Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks selfie. like him. Well, no, he was. Yeah, he looks like William Lee Golden. <laughs> <laughs> With a shorter haircut. Yeah, the celebrity of it. Yeah. So now they make everybody miserable around them, though. I've I've said it for a while. I mean, for a while, and I'm just telling you. Um, the way to get them back would be to uh, somehow or another come up with enough money to get the uh, sonic boom of the South over there, mm-hmm. adjacent to the Vanderbilt fans, and just show them what. Loud can be. What show them what loud can be. Yeah, I'm telling you, Roger, it's going to end poorly. It is. It's going to end poorly for them. It really does. It really. It, I mean, makes people furious there. Well, it's just because you can't sit around them, and and the few times too, they got a, they have a bad reputation as people. A few times that a couple of years ago it was a woman who was a fan of another team who confronted him. But when I say confronted him, walked up and and was pretty nice about it and said something like, could you please stop doing that? And the guy threw a fit and pretended as if she stepped on his foot. Like, like he's an idiot. Like, they're idiots. <laughs> and, you know, Vandy and all their fans let him get away with it. Again, like I said, it's the most Vanderbilt thing I've ever seen. Well, you know, that's an old boxing trick. You step into their space, you step on their foot, and you punch them, and they yeah they can't come back at you. Just keep punching them. Right. So uh, if you happen to see them, yeah. remember to step on his foot. I think things like, you know, like with a cat. You know, like people spray water on a cat every time he does something you don't like? Yeah. Like a water bottle, water gun. Like just I fill use it. That, use that method. Yeah, yeah. I, that ended badly, too, though. <laughs> Because well, he yeah. ended up from uh, where I didn't want him on the furniture to landing on top of a giant barrel cactus, which... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, it kind of gave him some uh, neuroses. <laughs> you know, there's nowhere to land on one of those. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's no way to do it. <laughs> That's good. Here's the uh, text line from, uh, from Scott. It says, Matt, this is about Tommy Stevens transferring to state. He said, Matt, I agree with everything you say, but... I really can't see this guy transferring to state without some kind of promise or guarantee. Yeah, well, you know, Scott, I understand that too. And I I think that, you know, in reality, really, I mean, in reality with his skill set and familiarity with the offense and all that, you know, the, the guarantees could be things like, hey, look, you know, you have a great shot at winning the job if you stay healthy and you just compete and and do what you're capable of. You got a great shot to win the job. You know, those are probably the guarantees. They're just, I'm just telling you, guarantees like, hey, man, the day you set foot on campus, we're handing the keys to you. That kind of stuff's just not happening. You know, it may seem like it, but it's just not happening because it's not reality. You just can't run a team that way. Um, you just can't. You know, there's 
the only way you do is if the person who you do have on your team is just a complete flunky, you know, and that's going to be more off the field than on the field. And you don't have that situation at state. So <clears throat> when you were saying that about handing the keys, it was kind of probably an unfortunate uh, use of phrase. I was thinking that? about the controversy over the rental car. <laughs> the rental car. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing too. Like I, I know with fairly great certainty that I have talked about it before and I make people cringe. Um, but it's just a fact. I mean, you know, for decades upon decades upon decades across all of college football, college football players, especially stars, have been getting stuff, you know, whether it's clothes and different, you know, $100 handshakes and $200 handshakes and all that kind of stuff. They just have. But they also get vehicles to drive. And frankly, I'm just to the point I don't care anymore. I, I never really did care. I've, I've always been on record as saying that I don't, I don't like the idea that some rich, wealthy booster uh, in a hometown or something gets involved in recruiting for a certain school and loading a family up with money or benefits and encouraging them ultimately to do something they don't want to do. That, that, I don't like that. And a lot of that has always led to a lot of unhappiness with players, a lot of families who are unhappy ultimately and, and transferring nowadays and stuff because – you know, they'll take the benefits and, and then go to a school, and they ultimately they just don't want to go there. And if that's not where you want to be, you're not ever going to be happy long-term. And we call that move the take the money and run. Take the money and run. And what happens too, Roger, is a lot of that kind of stuff in basketball and football and other sports, you know, it, a lot of times there are players who come from families that don't have any money. And so somebody out here throwing a few thousand dollars at them it's such an immediate relief financially. It's like, you know, you're taking the money. Yeah, money but I mean. light bill paid. Right. But how fast are they going to go through that money? That's going to wear off by the time two-a-days start. And then where are you? You know, I, so I don't like that kind of stuff, swaying people's decisions. But, hey, whatever. We don't live in a perfect world. But I've always said, too, you know, the idea to me that, you got a kid on some football team somewhere in college who's scoring touchdowns and making tackles, okay? And he's in class when he's supposed to be, doing everything he's supposed to do. He never embarrasses your school. And somebody gives him a car to drive? You think that bothers me? That doesn't bother me one bit. I know rules are rules, and you ought to, you know, I, I get it, but I'm just saying I'm losing no sleep over any of it. There you go. That's another one of those is what it is things. <laughs> it beats that way sometimes. It be that way. Hey, Roger, it it definitely is that way more than people have wanted to admit nationwide across college sports pretty much our entire lifetime. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Thank you, Bruce Hornsby and the Range. That's just the way it is. That's a great song from the 80s. Look it up. I'll wrap things up with you next here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
shoot. Shoot up in here, amongst us. Need a little relief. I'm mad. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team. Let me turn that down for you. Sorry about that. I bet you got a text. Got a text, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it be like that, Roger. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the all-SEC baseball team, it all came out yesterday. Did you see? 2019 SEC Baseball Awards announced. Not a lot of surprises. SEC Player of the Year, J.J. Blade from Vanderbilt. 25 home runs so far this year. What's his name again? J.J. Blade. B-L-E-D-A-Y. Blade. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Yep, so he's a player of the year. Pitcher of the year is Ethan Small. You're killing me, Smalls! <laughs> Ethan Small, pitcher of the you year. You ever heard that? Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you. They also call him the lanky lefty. The freshman of the year is J.T. Ginn, pitcher Mississippi State. Straight out of Brandon. Coach of the year, Tim Corbin Vandy. And Scholar Athlete of the Year, Garrett Stallings, Tennessee. What do you got to do to have that, I wonder? What do you do? Just make a 4.0? Probably. And be pretty good? 4.0 plus. Yeah, probably so. Roger, uh, this morning, uh, my daughter, who is finishing up first grade, they had their certificate and awards day for all the first grade classes. And what that is, is it's basically a a certificate of having completed the first grade and then anything else like, you know, perfect attendance, um, you know, things like that. There were a few kids in her class who they they had perfect attendance for the entire year. Isn't that incredible? That's that's a really good reflection on the parents. It is. More of the parents, I think, at that age. Well, I'm being healthy, too, you know? Like, yeah. never had a sick day. I'm so impressed with the perfect attendance for a whole year. It's just incredible to me. But anyway, so they had that. And each kid from each class, they'd go up, and the, they would line up, and their teacher would step up to the podium and say their name in alphabetical order, and they would come up and get their certificate or anything else that they would gotten on award. And then the kid would step to the microphone. This is first graders. And they would say, when I grow up, I want to be, boom, and they would say it. Every kid, every single one of them got to step up to the microphone in front of all the parents after getting their certificate and say, when I grow up, I want to be. Um, my daughter, Mary Liddy, stepped up there and she said, when I grow up, I want to be a veterinarian. And wow. with, with her mother, the Ole Miss grad, sitting next to me, I almost said out loud, Hail State, but I didn't. <laughs> She'll yeah. probably end up going to A and M. Yeah, right, right. But she said, uh, "I want to be a veterinarian." So, um, and it's great. All the parents are so proud. Everybody taking pictures and video of this and stuff too. But here's what I was surprised by: there were, for the boys, more than anything else, 
this was said. When I grow up, I want to be a football player. Okay? That was said more than anything else. And, okay, and I'll say this. You know, my daughter, she goes to public school. um, So, you know, boys, girls, black, white, you know, Latino, all different. Red and yellow, black and white, all the precious. Right. I mean, there's just this, it's a great, wonderful, broad spectrum, you know, of mix of people. It's, they all look the same, sound the same, you know. And, uh, but by and large, when I grow up, I want to be a football player. That's what the first grade boys said. (laughs) There was a handful, there were a handful, I would say probably two or three first grade boys who said when I grow up I want to be a major league baseball player and then there was I know of two kids who said I want to be a basketball player but it was you know more than anything else they were athletes now there were two kids who stepped up there and said when I grew up I want to be a lawyer two two different ones one was a girl one was a boy first graders when I grew up I want to be a lawyer their parents watching a lot of those court shows. Yeah, maybe that, or their parents could be lawyers for Lawyer. all we know. I don't know. You know, uh, one little girl said, "When I grow up, I want to be a doctor." She was the only one who said that, out of you know quite a few kids. Get this, Roger. What two little boys stepped up there and said, "When I grow up, I want to be a dolphin trainer." Wow, where'd that come out of? Yeah, Aquaman. He wants to be a dolphin trainer. So they're getting cues from somewhere. Yeah. Interesting. How about that? I think uh, maybe it was that uh, Russian beluga whale, that spy whale was in the news recently. Mm-hmm. What did you say at that age? Because parents are always asking that. Yeah. I, it was baseball. Yeah. I wanted to be a garbage man. Oh, that's cool. They only worked two days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Had it all figured out. Had it all figured out, yeah. No, um, yeah, mine was baseball. At that age, it was want to be a baseball player. Really, for the first, I guess, 14 years of my life, all I could think about was baseball. And I went out for football as an eighth grader. And obviously, and, you know, they give us pads, and we started hitting each other, and I just immediately fell in love with it and decided, okay, this is the coolest thing ever. Now it's football. <laughs> you hit somebody, and yeah, it's get, okay. And get away with it. I even get this. And, and in the eighth grade, I was kind of, you know, I was athletic, obviously, you know, and I was bigger and a little stronger than most of my classmates at that age. And I had this buddy who lived in the same neighborhood as me, and I talked him into, let's bring our pads and our helmets and stuff home, and let's just get out in the yard and do tackling drills. <laughs> so we brought our stuff home. We weren't even supposed to do it, and we're in full gear out in my yard. And we're doing tackling stuff. I'm just knocking his butt off. Now, you know, pow. And his name was Cade. And after about 30 minutes, cool, he, he was, yeah, he was into it to begin with. And after about 30 minutes of it, Cade was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> Let's go play Uno. I'm going home. And then it dawned on me, yeah, I kind of talked him into this. And then I brought him out here and, you know, knocked his rear end in the dirt about 20 times. No wonder. That was mean, you know. He's turned into a great guy. He's actually a pastor of a big uh, Baptist church in LaGrange, Georgia now. Yeah. But um, at that age, it was baseball. And most of the little girls 
in the first grade were would they said there were a lot of them that said I want to be a famous singer. Several said I want to be a famous artist. A lot of that. You know, Roger No princesses though. No princesses. With Meghan Markle and all that stuff going on. Not one kid stepped up to the microphone and said When I grow up, I want to get into the PERS system and retire at 48. <laughs> Not one. Not one of them said <clears throat> When I grow up, I want to work for MDOT and bounce after 25 years. <laughs> yeah, PERS may not be solvent when they're 48. <laughs> well, that's an excellent point. <laughs> but I thought, that's funny. A lot of, for a lot of them, man, life's going to change at one point. That, but if they had, it the, the house would have rocked with all the Would have absolutely Rolled. I do know of one little girl who, on purpose, for a laugh, to see if people would laugh, because she's just that kind of kid. She got up there and said, I want to be a scuba diver. And she thought that would make people laugh. A few people did chuckle. Scuba diver. Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, right over in that area, is Brandon, and that's where Jeff is. What's up, Jeff? What's going on, man? You, you brought back some memories on the playing football and taking your pads home and stuff. <laughs> I grew up with a dad that coached football, baseball, and, and basketball in Columbus, Mississippi. And uh, and my best friend's dad was the head football coach on that same team. Well, you know, getting new equipment, the old equipment gets turned in, thrown away, whatever. Well, we ended up with all the old equipment uh-huh. and a lot of the old equipment. So we outfitted all the kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> And we would have these big football games. It'd be seven on seven. How many, however many kids we could round up, we would put everybody in uniforms and helmets and stuff. Girls too. It didn't matter. And uh, and it was an absolute knockdown dragout on the weekends around my house. And, I mean, it's really seven wonders because it was you know always the big kids against the little kids, and uh, so we we just killed each other every weekend. <laughs> I mean, we were all you know all wanted to be football players, of course, but. Uh, but yeah, good lord! I mean, that was that was some good times back yeah, in those buddy. days. And you know, you you always you played in a couple of yards, and there was always that one parent that was like, "Get out of my yard!" You know, mm-hmm. you boys get out of my yard. <laughs> but uh, but we, I mean, we man, we set up goalposts and the whole nine yards. I mean, it was it was good times. That's great. Full <laughs> contact. We are all cripple. Full, right. full contact. Full tackle. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, that's it. When you appreciate it, Jeff. When you're that age, I think like in the eighth grade, I enjoyed the contact and the hitting because you're too stupid not to, number one. Number two, y'all, none of you are really fast enough, big enough to hurt each other, you know. So once you get on up to about 10th, 11th grade, you're sick of all that contact. <laughs> Tired of it. It's just a... Man, I'd rather kids play football in the yard than be out there with that basketball bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang. On... Yeah. That's you hear it. all across the block. Uh-huh. All right. Played in many of basketball games, too. All right. Enjoyed the show. Thanks to Roger. Thanks to everybody. Appreciate y'all listening, and we'll do it again tomorrow. I plan to join you from Hoover. We'll see what happens. Cross your fingers. See you then. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.